What are you afraid of? Scared you go there and find out that he doesn't love you anymore, honey. You can't control that. The only thing you can control is how you feel. Not how you feel, but how you deal with what you feel that is real. You've got to relax, relate, and release into reality. What was that like, being in therapy? Uh, Were you, what did you talk about that you had never acknowledged to yourself or talked talk? I grew so much from the experience. But I think the most important thing I got is that everything is connected. I mean, if I have a problem, I usually just go to church, give me some Jesus, <laughs> and I'm cool. Welcome back to another episode of Black in Therapy, where we are discussing journeys, dismantling myths, and declaring our truths. It's Sarah Ashley here, and I'm with my dope co-host. What's up, y'all? Donna in the building. Now, we have not been here for a long time, Donna. It's been like, we've been off for the summer, might as well say. Right. We definitely have been off for the summer. So, it was needed. Right, right. Definitely was a need a break. Um, and we have a special guest here with us today. We bombarded Dr. Scott's office. I was coming to set something up for her, and then I start pulling out my podcast equipment. <laughs> then I'm like, you want to get on? So she she decided to join us today. So shout out to Dr. Scott, my mentor. Uh, she's on the podcast. Introduce yourself to the folk. Hi, I'm Dr. Tina Scott, and I'm so excited to be here with you too. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you cracking up? All right, so let's check in. Like we, A lot has happened since the last time we recorded, like a, a lot. So right. I don't want to go first. Um Dr. Scott, how you feeling? Huh, tired. Uh, okay. Overwhelmed, but but good. You know, but just tired. Just a lot going on at once. Okay. Donna? Um, I would say I definitely have been feeling overwhelmed lately. I mm-hmm. feel like we're in such a transition, so I feel like this transition is definitely overwhelming to back to school and everything that's just going on throughout the summer that we missed with you guys. But I'm definitely feeling a little overwhelming, but I'm definitely happy to be here today and recording, finally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's how I'm feeling. How you feeling, Sarah? I'm feeling all right. I feel, I guess I feel overwhelmed. Yesterday, I was feeling kind of stuck, though. Maybe not yesterday, maybe the day before yesterday. I was feeling kind of stuck. Um, you know how you just want your next to happen? And, like, mm-hmm. you kind of in between, like, where you are and then what's going to happen. Right, um, that transition. That transition. It's kind of like, all right, I'm over this. Like, doing therapy is cool. Talking to people is cool. But then, like, I want to help more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I've kind of been in that you know, that stuck space. But I know that, you know, with anything, transition has to happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it is. Um, anything you want to share, catch the people up on anything in your life? Um, no, not not anything specific. You got you got some good news or some um, news in general for the people? Not necessarily, you know, good news. I mean, we talked about this before. Like, losing Zarena was kind of like something that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still kind of hard. So my friend Zarena passed away from cancer and um, didn't really share with a lot of people. So it was kind of like a shock. So just navigating that, um, mm-hmm. you know, just those moments of like, and we always say feel your feelings, mm-hmm. but it's kind of hard when you have to feel your feelings, but you don't want to feel your feelings anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I've been like um, navigating grief. So, mm-hmm. and I know we talked about that a little bit right before we ended the last, I don't even think it was a season. I think we're probably still on in between the season right now. Mm-hmm. But I know when your cousin passed away, we kind of talked about right. navigating um Grief. Right. And feeling those compound feelings because Mm -hmm. you can, you know, you can feel those sad, the sadness, the guilt. You can feel all of those, but you can also feel, you know, maybe joy around it Mm -hmm. or acceptance of it. You can feel those things at the same time. Right. And is it okay to feel them at the same time? Because we struggle Mm -hmm. with that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. can I... Can people know that I lost a friend and then still post that I'm a happy hour having a good time? Mm-hmm. Or again, people, you know, can we still be, can we feel the both emotions at the same time? Like you said, and mm-hmm. we can. And then choosing not to feel some emotions, like choosing not to feel guilty, right? Mm-hmm. We can all feel guilty. Like I could have called her more. I could have mm-hmm. checked in more. Mm-hmm. But like choosing not to take on that guilt is something that I had to make the decision about too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Any other? No, I like how you said navigating because too many times we feel like it's something that we either need to avoid 
or just have to hurry up and jump over. So when mm-hmm. you say navigating, it's just it's just making me think of a GPS, like how it's directing us, right? Mm-hmm. And just taking the appropriate steps to go through the various stages of grief. And I feel like you got to rush through mm-hmm. it just to make sure everybody else around you is comfortable. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, people can't handle your grief. Right. And especially when we're therapists, yep. right? Because they're like... Well, I don't you know what to say. Tools. Right. You got the tools. <laughs> you got like, you know what I mean? Tools. Why don't you pull one out right. of the box? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think in this particular instance, it was like a different type of pain. Like mm-hmm. I and I and I made a post about it. Like I have the tools, right? Yeah. You taught me some of the tools. Like right. I have the yeah. tools, but it's like, how do you navigate that for yourself? And then people around you really probably don't know what to do because mm-hmm. of who you are yep. and the role we play in, in people's lives. So And they tend to fall back. They tend yeah. to fall back because they see you as someone with all the resources mm-hmm. and they're like, Now what can I give you? And it's just so important that people just know, just be present. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't even have to say anything. Just, just be just there. Be there. Mm-hmm. Just be there and just wait mm-hmm. and see if you say or anyone say that this right. is what I need. And let the person take the lead, too. Like, don't think that you have to say, like, anything about the person passing away or anything they're going through. Like, just let them take the lead. Maybe I just want to laugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, just navigating that. Even today, like, I saw something that I was like, I was quick to be like, oh, let me show you. Like, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't show you the that. Like, but it's like, still, to your point, to my point, navigating that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what's been going on. Any updates, Dr. Scott, you want to update the folk on? Um, I don't have too much going on. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, the only thing is with, with the clinicians, the event that we're having tomorrow, as far as a big cookout with clinicians just coming all together, just to support each other, because most of us have been pouring out to everyone, and we're, like, depleted. So tomorrow is a day just to honor our space and uh, to give us our safety space so we can get some things off our chest and just network with each mm-hmm. other and just be like the family that we desire to be. That's dope. All right, so let's just jump into some quick current events. It's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Too a lot going on. Too much. A lot. And I'm kind of drawing a blank right now, but I mean, it was things that we, you know, we haven't recorded in a while. So, first of all, let's start with something like they released Aaliyah's One in a Million today. So, that's all I've been listening to in the car so far. Have you listened to it yet? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been listening to Aaliyah's One in a Million because. It's been on Amazon Music. It's just been under a different album title. Okay. But her album been on there, and I um. So I've been listening to it. Like I listen to it on like YouTube and stuff. But I always been like the, the hugest Aaliyah fan ever. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, have been. I've always been listening to One in a Million. Um, but I kind of feel mixed feelings about it because I guess it was like black Brown records and her uncle was putting it out but i think that none of the like proceeds or anything goes back to actual like Aaliyah estate or something it was some type of like janky stuff going on well he re- he rebooted rebooted the the um record label so maybe now that it will go because he like he signed a new artist and everything oh i don't know as far as i you because i follow a bunch of Aaliyah like you know fanatics mm-hmm. and stuff like that so it was a little bittersweet because it's just like, okay, what, you know, what are these pros? Like, first of all, what was the whole thing and why it wasn't out for so long? Like, right. what was that about? Because record labels and people have diminished, but their music is still out there. So, it was kind of bittersweet. But I've been listening to Aaliyah because... I mean, I'm looking forward to the actual Aaliyah album to be dropped because that was my favorite album. Even though One in a Million was a good album, too. Oh, I think that was my one. favorite. That was the first album I could probably listen to all the songs all the way through. Aaliyah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, that's that. Uh... We could talk real quick about the Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka real quick. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, I feel like more power to y'all. Like, the fact that y'all were able to say, like, my mental health matters more than any amount of money or any team medal. My mm-hmm. mental health matters more. Um, it's something that I'm, like, big up. Like, that's what's up. Mm-hmm. What are yeah. your thoughts? No, I think the same thing. To just take a bold, embrace, stand. To stand up and say, hey, you know, even though this may be important to everybody in the world, it's important to me, but my mental health is more important. Mm-hmm. And even though a lot of people criticized her and called called them both weak for, like, stepping back, I think it showed every part of strength just to say, mm-hmm. hey, I need to take a pause. And for whatever their reasons were, they mm-hmm. were their reasons, and they identified, like, it's something off with me, and I don't want to ignore it. I need right. to make sure I tune into it, because too often we don't listen to ourselves. Or our bodies. Yep. And I don't think people also understand how crippling anxiety can be. Oh, yeah. Um, even I watched one recently. She Naomi did an um, interview recently, and she, like, started crying. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the guy asked her about, you make all these posts, but then you don't want to talk to us, mm-hmm. pretty much, is what he said in the interview. And, like, she was processing it and, like, took time to process it and then, like, got overwhelmed. You could see it. And it's just, like, I don't think people understand how crippling mm-hmm. anxiety or depression or, or any other mental illness can be. Yeah, I think also, too... If I read it correctly, um, she didn't really have a lot of social interaction before this. Mm-hmm. So now, here I am. I'm coming from 
a small town or whatever town size her town is, but she didn't have a lot of interaction. And now here she is in front of all these people. Mm-hmm. And not only being in front of all these people, they have expectations of you, right? They have a certain way that you should speak, talk, and all those different things. And that causes a lot of unnecessary pressure in addition to the pressure that we have inside mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And even like, can you imagine, like, we have to show up for people, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes for me, it takes me like, I have to talk myself into being a therapist some right. days, right? Because right. I, you know, it's not that I don't want to talk to people or help people, but mm-hmm. it's like, I have to talk to people. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. something that is not always okay for me because mm-hmm. I, I do have like some social, like, y'all know how I be at events. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking. I'm not right. doing right. any of that. So even the expectation to even show up is, is you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how y'all feel about like talking to y'all might have a, be in a better space about talking to people. And you've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it might come easy to you. But I know for me, it's like, all right. Get yourself together. Like, even when I got to call new clients, all right, get yourself together. You got to call this person. You know what I mean? So. Because sometimes you want to just be in your space. Like, and even, like, before we even did this, I'm like, I was in my space. And then you got (laughs) to, you got to come out of your space, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and just, like, connect with people. But sometimes it's hard, right? Because if you're dealing with your own trials and tribulations in your life, and then you need to show up for someone else, it's like, okay, once again, I got to push my stuff to the Mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm show up for somebody and then it can be a domino effect and then you're like all the way back over here so yeah yeah i'm, I'm just glad that they that that was um something that they were able to do because a lot of people suppress their feelings mm-hmm. of you know the pre- like you you get all this pressure and you feel like you have to show up so i'm glad that they actually had it within themselves to say like no absolutely mm-hmm. not and mm-hmm. i think it's needed because what happens is they let other people know that they can too say no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, look at these black girls who, um, you know, have all this pressure on them and have all this talent, all this ability, but they said no. So I too can say no. Mm-hmm. I can too put boundaries on things. I can too take a break. Mm-hmm. And I think that people think that we are supposed to work hard and we're supposed to keep going and we're supposed to be resilient all the time. No, that's not true. So right. I'm glad that that was, I felt like that was the message that I got. And I hope that that was the message that like all the other little black girls got mm-hmm. and boys and, and people in general who don't have that ability or never had that ability to like say no and speak up for themselves. And take a break. Right. Yeah. And, and take a break and, and to your point, speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of that, um, I was watching, I, I know you, y'all probably not basketball fans. No. I, uh, I watch I know Donna doesn't watch sports. Um, so. A few years ago, there was a big fight in Detroit between the basketball players and the fans in the stands. Oh, I see. And so they made a documentary about it called mm-hmm. Miles at the Palace. Oh, yes. It's on mm-hmm. my Netflix to watch list. I'm going to watch okay. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she don't believe me. I'm going to watch it. It's really on my, on my Netflix to watch list. For okay. Real. Um, it's good. So I, I will hope mm-hmm. that you do watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, But so... You know, when you watch it, when you're younger, you're watching this, you're like, oh, okay. But to see the backstory of it, like, I was almost in tears. Okay. Because, especially coming from a, it's hard to look at things without looking at it from a therapeutic lens, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we take our therapy? I tell you all the time, don't take your therapy head off. Like, right. how do you take that head off and not, you know, and be able to watch something and not think about it? But there were so many other things that went into that fight That's that funny. people don't realize. Like, um, one of the players, Ben Wallace, uh, his brother had just died. Mm-hmm. So you didn't take no time off. You your brother died yesterday. You're playing mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Oh, I don't even think it was a playoff game. I think it was a regular season game. Mm-hmm. You're playing in the, a game. Mm-hmm. Your brother died yesterday. You're here playing in the game. Mm-hmm. Your emotions have to be all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron Artest, and this is something I want to look into. He had a therapist that went everywhere with him. Mm-hmm. Like how you do that? <laughs> I want to see what that's about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but she was teaching him things. So there was one point, you know, they were going back and forth tussling um, the players. And then Ron Artest went to lay on the scores bench, but he laid back. And so people thought he was being ignorant or like arrogant, but he was taking time like his therapist told him to to breathe. Right. And he said, I just needed to step away from everybody and breathe. And he said, so I laid down to breathe. And then somebody from the stands threw beer in, in his face. Mm-hmm. And that's when he went into the stands and started fighting. And that's when it became like this big whole fight. Mm-hmm. But, like, even in that, like, I was doing something that I was taught to do, mm-hmm. and it got turned into a negative thing. Right. And for us as black people, it's always like we're made to be the monsters. We're mm-hmm. made to be the enemies. And it's like, no, he was really trying to chill. And mm-hmm. that person threw the beer at him right. and, and called, you know, and caused him mm-hmm. to react the way he reacted. Mm-hmm. Could he respond differently? Yes. Mm-hmm. But he was doing something that he was taught to do. Right. 
And it's just like, you know, we're always criminalized or like, you know, they changed the whole dress code in the NBA after that. Like, because mm-hmm. it was too thuggish. The NBA mm-hmm. was too thuggish. So then they had to wear suit and ties to the games if you weren't playing. Mm-hmm. You had to wear suit and ties to the press conference. Mm-hmm. So it was like, why are we always made to be the enemies and nobody's looking at the outside stories? Like, mm-hmm. y'all could have done something to prevent this. Most definitely. Um, so that was like something I just thought was interesting when you look at it from a mental health aspect. Like, why was Ben Wallace allowed to play mm-hmm. in the game? Like, mm-hmm. y'all should have made him take some time off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So... I don't know. It was just a lot and a lot to dissect. And again, like how, you know, black people are always made to be like the target mm-hmm. and not anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like not the white person that threw right. the beer. Okay. Most definitely. Right. I you think that I mean? sometimes is the, is the fact that people expect people of higher status or people who are in the limelight to have that barrier. But it's like, do y'all teach them that? Right. Do y'all teach them that, hey, now you're going to have you know, 5 million haters. Now you're going to have mm-hmm. all these people who are against you. Now you're going to have people who intentionally tear you down. You're mm-hmm. going to have all these people who hate you. You're going to have the love too. But do people, like, it should be something where they have to, you know, kind of be able to have a therapist or somebody to help them mm-hmm. navigate that. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know. It should come in a contract. It should automatically right. come when you sign. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how come you have to get a note to get, get back into the game when you have a physical injury? Mm-hmm. But the whole world can be crumbling around you, but you can just go play. Mm-hmm. And you can just have to deal with fans and people. And then you're supposed to not have, you know, react. You're supposed right. to have to mm-hmm. have, you know, have control. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it's the expectation of the world, not just any type of sport or um, organization, but the world kind of mm-hmm. expects people to um, be the bigger person, mm-hmm. um, especially being a person of color. It's like we have to, you know, because if we don't, we're going to be seen as that, you know, as that negative aspect in it, as the instigator, as right. the enemy. We're always going to be um, seen that way. Um, but we've been making, breaking those barriers. We got to keep breaking them. Right. And even in that, like, and especially like when people say like, oh, they were a ticking time bomb. Like, if we know these things, mm-hmm. why are we playing with these things? Like, mm-hmm. why, why is it not like being taken serious? Like, right. it was like a recipe for disaster. Right. Right. He was a ticking time bomb. His brother died. Y'all didn't have enough security. Y'all had like two cops and the whole thing. Like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was just a recipe for disaster. Right, and right. it's like, you know, but to Donna's point, you know, we got to continue to just break those barriers. But I do think, I know working with a lot of pro athletes, like the the team owners, um, the teams, they do offer different mm-hmm. mental health solutions. But what happens is many, I'm not saying all, many don't seek after them because they're on top of their game. And they kind of just like push that things, that, that stuff to the side. But when they start hitting rock bottom and they start losing all these, these things, whether it's materialistic things, the fame, now, all of a sudden, they're paying more attention to their mental health. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying all of them, but that's what I'm seeing. Once mm-hmm. once I'm out of the NBA or the NFL, now how can I put the pieces of my life together versus let me put these pieces while I'm, and maintain while I'm doing it. this. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Any other? We always talk about the crime in Philly being a shout out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always, it's up. It's, it's, yeah. Is it up? It's up. The lower that got shot at the playground died. The 15-year-old. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, you know, it's like, what what can you do? And I get frustrated when I, you know, because you know what I do for a living. And I get frustrated when we have these conversations. Well, outside of being a therapist. But we get frustrated when we have these conversations of, let's go down there and meet at the rec. Let's go. It's mm-hmm. bigger than meeting at the rec. It's mm-hmm. bigger than it's bigger than all of it. Like, mm-hmm. we have to heal. Yeah. Like, and, and it's mental. And we mm-hmm. have to heal our minds. Like, mm-hmm. because what makes a person take a gun and shoot? Yeah. We got to heal our minds. And, it's, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it, you know, you talk about intervention I don't think it's intervention I think it's prevention mm-hmm. how do we get these kids that have seen this these kids that are now angry because their friend at 15 is dead yeah. how do we heal them mm-hmm. so that they won't be angry enough or hopeless enough to take a gun and take somebody else's life mm-hmm. or choose their lifestyle period true mm-hmm. so true so you know that's where I stand on it so you know we're working to try to do some things in the city as far as the mental health goals mm-hmm. but yeah I think that's it mm-hmm. you sure you know I ain't got no current events. I don't ever be up on current events. Until you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I mean, R. Kelly trial started, but that's uh, irrelevant. I felt like somebody was like, nobody's talking about R. Kelly. And I'm like, oh, who? And, like, I mean, <laughs> okay, he, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think people are not, I think people giving Bill more grace than they give R. Kelly, though. Yeah. I think people definitely giving Bill Cosby because I don't think people can separate Heathcliff's Huxtable from Bill Cosby. Mm. So they're giving him more grace than... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, and he older, and yeah. I just think that it's just, it's just and it different. wasn't kids. I mean, he was R. Kelly was molesting kids. It's different. It's not. 
It's not. It's not. But I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's really not different. But people, people see it. Still different. taking advantage yeah. of somebody that was weaker than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's jump into our first segment. I got a story to tell. Dr. Scott, what's your story? <laughs> hmm. So I, I guess I'll start with my story, how I actually got here. Uh, I used to be a senior healthcare exec for years and loved my job. And one day I was sitting at my desk. I heard footsteps coming down the hallway, knock on the door, and the door was open. And I was told my services was no longer needed, so I was fired. So when I was fired, it, it sent me through a big state of depression. I, I isolated um, and, and, and I was angry at God. I was very angry at him. And then um, just one day, I think, when I was in my car, the radio was playing and it was a gospel song that came on. I never seen a righteous forsaken or a seed beg for bread. And when I heard that song, it just kept playing over and over in my head. And then it just breathed life back into me. And at that point, it was like <clears throat> I heard God speaking to me and affirming me in different areas that I needed to be affirmed in because I felt like everything was taken away. And as much as I would like to say it was a Job experience, it was still so much more that I could have lost. But um, I, I had to rebuild myself and, and with God's help. So a long story short, on an unemployment check, I opened up my own private practice. And I really opened up my own private practice because, number one, I heard God tell me to do so. And then I thought it was going to be temporary. I thought it was just going to be something so I wouldn't have a gap in my resume. And now here we are, like, 15 years later, I had my own private practice on an unemployment check. It was definitely, I don't, it was a faith walk, but I think it was more of an obedient walk because I can't tell you that I would have left my exact job to do this. So it was just that I was at rock bottom and I felt like I couldn't go nowhere else. So let me just try this. And and here I am with my own private practice. I thought it was just going to be a little bit. Been doing it for a while. Went from a single practice and now forming a group practice and just doing a lot of different things that I didn't. It wasn't in my plan. It was in God's plan. That's cool. And we talk about like... um giving up right or not doing not being obedient to God and then what happens later on right and not even thinking about like your journey like your trajectory influenced my trajectory like you know what I mean so all the people that came behind you um what if you would have said no what if you Mm -hmm. didn't you know what I mean like you know it was to me it was bigger than you like that experience that you went through it was your experience like nobody else can feel what you felt but it was bigger than you Mm -hmm. like God saw I always say like God is in a high air balloon he can see past what we can see right Mm -hmm. and so God saw all of this like Mm -hmm. But and you could only see like devastation at that moment. Like. I sure did. I was like rolling, crying in my tears. Out when I say I was so angry, but now when I look back, had God had if it had been set up any other way, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Like literally, the only thing I could do was look up. And 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 as I was going through the journey, I was I was angry. I was mad. I was bitter. And you know, sometimes when people do things, when I got fired, I was wrongfully terminated. And you like think things that you really shouldn't like I wish this and I wish that and God just had to renew my mind to really make it make it clear that they're not your focus Mm -hmm. what I purpose you to do is your focus so focus on that and I'll take care of all the other stuff so when you were when you were in your exec job did you ever think about like doing therapy like what was what was on your mind then were you just strictly focused on your exec job so I did therapy. Or did you ever feel that feeling like this is, I need to be doing something more? I, I, I was doing therapy okay. and I was coaching, right? But it was like, you know how you have your little side hustle mm-hmm. in, in a sense? It was like a side hustle that I was helping people along. And even in that industry, I felt like God placed me as a mentor to like help people. So no matter where I go, I know that's where God put me and what he want, wanted me to do. But it was so funny. It was a time in my career that God made it clear it's time for you to shift. And five years went by and I didn't shift. I I created a website for being a therapist. And I was like looking at all the different stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even when I lost my job, I wasn't even paying attention to that website, any of that stuff. But then when it was gone, I'm like, I have everything already that I needed, but I didn't think I was going to use it. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was speaking to me. And I found most of the time that when my employees would come in, the number one thing I found myself doing with them is mentoring them. They, they, they came from, like, some stuff at home, and I could have easily referred them to EAP or counseling. I'm not saying I provided counseling for them, but I just took the time to to just plant a seed of hope. So mm-hmm. I, I know 
it was it was there, but it was just like I wasn't giving up my job for this. Right, right. I feel you on that. But what's more, what has I know what has been more rewarding, but just talk about that. Like, is there like a piece? Is there like something different that you have now that you didn't have then? You know, outside of like the extra of helping people, outside of me making sure like that everything is operating okay, the budget, I'm meeting the budget, the revenue, I'm flexing employees down and flexing them up, whatever, making sure like I remain in budget. It wasn't rewarding to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was rewarding is because as a child, you're taught to be successful. So I hit the success bell. Like mm-hmm. I made the income that everybody's like, if you make this, then you're successful. So I hit that bell. But after I hit that bell, it was just nothing else to really look forward to. So then I decided to keep going to school. I was like, I got to have some excitement in my life. But that was fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely feel what I'm doing now. I'm like touching lives that people I probably won't even see. And, and and just planting seeds of hope, like with different people that I come in contact with. So that's it's a more it's big a bigger reward for mm-hmm. me. Gotcha. All right. Anything else you want to share about your story? No, I think I covered. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump into our next segment. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> don't, don't 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 believe the hype. All right, so I was minding my business the other day. <laughs> per use. Per use. Minding my business. And I, you know, one of my favorite shows to watch is Real Housewives of Potomac. And so they have a few new characters on there now. And one of them is dealing with a lot of family issues and, you know, just stuff. And uh, they were sitting around the table and they were talking. And they had this conversation like, um, I don't think I need to see a therapist. I just need to see a life coach. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> And no shade. I, I just want to say this. I don't even say if I shade no shade. Shade to the person that's a life coach and didn't go to school or get certified. Well, what's the requirement for a life coach? Be, I just feel like. Is there a certification? Dr. Scott can speak to Dr. Scott wears two hats. She's a life coach and she's a therapist. Um, We know other people that, are, that wear both hats as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm just. I, I don't know if my shade comes from like. Do you feel a way because you put in the work to, I do do, feel to a be way. a therapist and you feel like life coaches didn't put in or don't have that? I feel like we went to school for two years straight. Two years straight. And then we still got to go to pretty much go to school again for another year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I know, and, and I don't know if I would have signed up for it if I knew it was all of this. Like, I really thought <laughs> like, it was going to be a therapist right after graduation. Um, but I just feel like we put in a lot of time and effort for somebody who can just wake up one day and be like, oh, I want to be a life coach because I feel like I can give good advice. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That's that's my issue. I feel like I haven't put in enough like research on life coaches to really form an opinion. But I feel I feel what you say. I just feel like you got a little a little bit of bias because of, you know, what what you've done to get to where you are and all the work that like we've had to put in. But I feel like life coaches do serve a purpose outside of therapy because I feel like some people may not need no everybody needs therapy let's say that but maybe someone who maybe just needs a life coach for something specific I don't know I just think that life coach is more of like surface level kind of thing like they're not therapists and I don't really compare the two so I don't really feel no way like if you're a life coach more power to you I mean can I get certified because what is going to take like a couple hours no, no. Doctor Scott went. Talk to him about Scott. But Sorry. you're legitimate. Yeah. A legitimate, like you legit did the work. Right. Like right. there are some people that just like. Yeah. I'm a life coach. No, and you know during this COVID season, you see everyone popping up being a coach, right? But here it is. Anybody can be a coach because here it is. They're 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 sharing their expertise, right? So that's different. But when you're talking about in a specific space, like if I'm a, if I'm a specialty in finances, right, I could be a financial coach, right. But when you're talking about life coaches and counselors, life coaches pretty much allow a client to deal with like their goals and their future and like what what that looks like for them, right. And then when you talk about us as like a counselor, a clinician, right, we're we're dealing with like healing. We're mm-hmm. dealing with like helping you. Um, deal with your problems, dealing with that past, like how, how, how my interaction as a child impacted me as who I am now. And and I know that can be a great debate because everyone wants to give their different views and opinion on it, but I'm dealing with the here and now as a life coach, mm-hmm. as a therapist, I'm dealing with like all that stuff that got you here right now. 
and so many people are popping up seeing that they're coaches and there are accrediting bodies, but it's just not as formal or should I say it's not as mandated as it is to get licensed, right? So they, you have the International Coaching Federation, which I did go through the training. I did get the certification. And the reason why I did that, because I wanted to make sure that I can validate that I have this experience, that I didn't just jump out the box and say, oh, I'm a coach. Because here it is, you'll sit with some people and they really can't help you do anything. And even if you have a background, like a financial background, and you become a financial coach, there's still like a process that you need to follow. There's still rules and regulations that you need to be governed by. But too many people want to just jump out and just do things the way they think it should be done versus following it. And when I talk to coaches that are not credentialed, they say they don't need all that. And they do come out making good money. Sometimes coaches make more money than um, therapists make money. But I feel like we all can make money. It depends on how you market yourself. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and where you see, when you talk about goals and your scope, like where you see yourself in the next three years. But I, I believe there's a lane for both of us, right? But I just feel like whatever lane we drive in, I think you should make sure that you study how you study and show yourself approved that you can actually help these people that you're sitting in front of. Because here it is. The person that's going to be at a disadvantage is the client. And that's my issue. Like, I, and even like, and I know this is a whole different separate thing, but like when I was a social worker, like it frustrated me because I could only put a bandaid on it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes when we talk about the hair and nail, like, yeah, we can do hair and nail stuff. Right. And I, you know, even as a therapist, we work on hair and nail stuff right, too. Right. But then it's like, but what caused you to be this mm-hmm. way? Like, you know, let's, let's, I feel like we don't get, and, and again, I don't know, because I never sat with a life coach, but do, are we really getting to the root of it? Like, yeah. especially even when I was watching a clip, like, girl, you got so much stuff going yeah, on yeah. that you got to get to the root of it. Like, and yeah, you can sit with a life coach, but it's just like, do they have the tools? And we always say this, to take you out in that deep water, mm-hmm. but then bring you back and not have right. you drown. Right. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you can tell me how to I fight your goals down, yeah. keep you accountable to your goals, but right. like, what has gotten you here? Yeah. And if maybe if I only want to be held accountable to my goals, then maybe that's something I'll go see a life coach for. Mm-hmm. But it's like, your therapist can hold you accountable too. Right. Yeah. Right. I definitely think that life coaching is more of like, like she was saying, like here and there. Because when I think of life coach, I think of like accountability. I think of some, like, I mean, I when as Dr. Scott broke it down, I'm thinking like, okay, I, I, I can see life coaching being... Um, definitely in its own lane and something that people can benefit from. I just think everybody needs therapy too. <laughs> That's all. Like, I'm just saying, like, don't the clip you watch was like, I don't need a therapist. I just need a life coach. And I don't know what the like what got her to that place. Like, what was her issue? She got a lot of abandonment issues, foster care. Like, you got a lot. Right. See, that's you got a lot, girl. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's you need therapy. therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, but, what possessed you to think you don't need therapy? <laughs> right. Well, I think it's the stigma too when we talk about stigma, um, because depending on where you are on the East Coast, West Coast. It depends which is more popular, right? Mm-hmm. So it's popular to say I have a, a coach. Mm-hmm. But now that we're in this whole COVID space, it's now popular to say you have a therapist. I agree that you need both, right? Mm-hmm. And here it is. They have a field now where they are combining um, psychology and coaching. I think it's called psychology uh, coaching. But um, mm-hmm. it's just showing how you're bringing it, <laughs> bringing That's them both stomach, together. Sorry. And um, coaching is really asking a lot of powerful questions. Mm-hmm. And really getting the client to really do the work themselves. Like, really think about it versus us saying, all right, once you go out that door, turn left, turn right, you pretty much get the client to become awoke and aware. What do you think you need to do? Mm-hmm. And really walk them through the process, if that makes sense. I, I feel like I do that in therapy, too. I don't you know. can. No, I think just, you got, you just, you just. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. But you know what? Here it is. It's not saying that you don't do both, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's not saying, because I think in therapy, depending on, what theory you follow, one theory may show that you're going to answer, ask a lot of powerful questions. And then you got some not listen. Right. And I think it's more so because I'm a solution focused therapist yeah. that is yeah. like, we're not going to, we're going to figure out the root. The yeah. We're going to figure out the root of it, but then we're going to challenge the behavior because yeah. you can't keep living like this. Nope. Yeah. You want to see a change. Yeah. And the only way you can, in my opinion, is to see the changes to challenge the behavior. Mm-hmm. But if you're coming from <clears throat> like a psychodynamic perspective, it's pretty much you're, t- you're tapping more into the feelings. Mm-hmm. And I know dealing with our culture, we got to get deeper than those feelings. Mm-hmm. We got to get to those deep-rooted things that's causing that pain so we can actually heal. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. All right. Time for Donna's favorite segment. <laughs> Truth is...
Sarah. I gotta go first. Yes, we got guests. You want to hear my truth first? Yeah, y'all oh, go first. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have two truths today. My first truth is this: I don't like to be bothered. Like if I am minding my business and Doctor Scott before you even say <laughs> anything. Like, I was like, is that new? Um, because I was not the best intern for Doctor Scott. I'm just going just say I was not the best intern for Doctor Scott. I. I'm she not going to say I wasn't worst. the best. She wasn't the worst. I just so. didn't do my notes on time. <laughs> That's I it. just struggled with my no, notes. you were very good. She just struggled with notes. Thank you. That's I'm it. glad I got that recorded. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, but if I'm doing my work and doing what I'm supposed to do, like I really don't like my peace bothered. If I'm keeping the peace mm-hmm. with whatever and holding my end of the bargain, mm-hmm. I really don't want to be bothered. Mm-hmm. Like, And it, it bothers me when I'm bothered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, just leave me alone. No. And, and is this in like a in life in general in a like setting in, where it's like uh like a work, work employee okay relationship friendship like just don't ruffle my feathers if I'm doing what now if you gotta call me on some stuff like Dr. Right. you had to call me on some stuff right 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 if you gotta call me on some stuff then call me on it but it's right. just like and I also have to understand it just because I think I might be doing a good job other people might think I'm not so yeah. I also need to be aware of that too mm-hmm. so I guess that's another part of my truth but mm-hmm. um I really. If I'm doing what I'm asked to do, like, I just don't want my feathers ruffled or my peace interrupted. So that's one thing. The second truth is this. Um, again, I was minding my business last night, and I got a phone call from one of my older friends that are a preacher, that's a preacher, mm-hmm. older friend. Shout out to Marshall Mitchell. I think you know, probably know Marshall from Salem. Mm-hmm. Light skin? Okay. Mm-hmm. He, um, so he, he called me or texted me, and we just started having a conversation about, like, the violence in the city um, healing, what, what, what's going to, what is going to have to take place for the city to be healed, all these things. But then he, he brought up something and he made me look at a scripture and it was when, um, Jesus was about to be crucified. Right. Mm -hmm. And it said, and all the disciples fled. Mm -hmm. And then the first thing you see when Jesus, and I'm not trying to make this church of y'all, but Mm -hmm. the first thing that Jesus does, like after he comes off the cross is like, he eventually goes to see the disciples, Mm -hmm. the people that fled when he was in his darkest moment. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like we stopped talking to people for less. Mm-hmm. And we walk around with like, um, mileage and like, you know, like feeling the type of way towards people for less. And that just challenged me when I read that, like, yo, I'm, I'm not talking to people for way less than this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, Jesus, they fled on him in his like weakest, darkest moment. Mm-hmm. And then he went straight to them when he got off the, you know, when he got up out of the grave. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, what does that say about how we forgive people mm-hmm. and how we move, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was just a truth that I had to like really sit with myself after that conversation, even today a little bit this morning and be like, yo, I got to check myself because mm-hmm. there are people that I can legit not talk to. And for what? Mm-hmm. When Jesus is the greatest example of that. So mm-hmm. I think that, that's my truth to like really challenging myself on forgiving and like walking in love and forgiveness and not holding grudges. Because mm-hmm. I don't think I, I mean, I could be petty. <laughs> I tried not to breathe when she said that I ain't going to make no noises. No. <laughs> I can be petty. Um, so I'm just, that's something I really want to challenge myself on. Mm-hmm. So good. those are my two truths. Those are nice truths. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think of my truth. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I can kind of understand where where you're coming from, Sarah, when you're talking about the whole thing of forgiveness. Because it's easy. It's easy for me to just feel like I'm done. Mm-hmm. Right? But just because I say I'm done doesn't mean that I'm done, if that makes sense. Like, if someone needs something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still show up, right? Mm-hmm. Even in spite of. But I, I, I'm a firm believer of preserving my space. Um, my truth right now is that I'm not going to just... You know, on your phone, you have a bunch of apps open and they drain you. I'm looking at all my apps in my life that's draining me and I'm closing some. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm closing them doesn't mean that um, I'm angry. It just means that I just can't allow you just to keep running in the background, just taking my energy. Because right now, especially in this COVID space, what's important to me, my families, my friends, my loved ones, that's who I want to give my energy to. I don't want it just someone just robbing it, right? But just because I'm closing that app, right now doesn't mean that you can't come and I be there for you but it just doesn't have to be every day all day mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. that's fixed mm-hmm. especially you don't you don't even have time for all that like you gotta we have to set boundaries and spaces for yeah. people mm-hmm. yeah boundaries are so mm-hmm. key and really holding holding to them and, mm-hmm. and 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 not allowing people's stuff whether it's positive or negative to to cross those boundaries like I see clients they have no boundaries like mm-hmm. can't even take time to themselves because 
oh, well, my mom called me. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Like, you know, there, and that's so what I love my mom. I probably would answer her calls all the time, but it's right. like, you know, we have to communicate. Like, listen, I need mm-hmm. this time, or I cannot talk to you every day because X, right. Y, and Z. Right. Like, we have to be able to communicate the boundaries that we set as well. Yeah. And not feel guilty. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, Donna. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, earlier we, I feel like we all identify as feeling like overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like what, what I realized in myself is, like, the things that overwhelm me, I can't put, like, quick fixes on. Because, mm-hmm. like, the prime example, I always tell Sarah, like, oh, I survived supervision today. I didn't tell you that today. But, <laughs> girl, I survived supervision today. Um, but what happens is I survived it, like, by the skin of my teeth. And I felt like it was a Band-Aid put on it. But, really, by next supervision, I better have had, like, kind of, like, got got it all together but in my mind I feel like I put quick fixes on it and instead of putting quick fix on my my overwhelming feeling of my my full-time job I feel like I know that I need to make that transition that shift so it kind of goes into like what we were talking about earlier like I'm overwhelmed I recognize I'm overwhelmed by my job right overwhelmed like oh supervision coming I gotta you know let's hope I get through the supervision then I get through it, but it's just a band-aid because supervision won't come again and again and again. And the fact is that the issue, which is the entire job, you know, things that I'm having the issue with is not getting fixed because here I am, you know, time after time after time. I feel like we kind of just put band-aids over stuff, right? It's just like, all right, this is fixed for this week. Whew, made it through the week. Like, it's the weekend, made it through. Mm-hmm. I feel like we live our lives, or at least for me, I have been living that way for a couple of months now, and I know I can't put those, like, band-aids on top of it i know i need to actually like find a permanent solution to the problem versus like quick fixes right it's mm-hmm. kind of like i feel like people live their lives like oh i get paid so now i got money but if you live in paycheck to paycheck that's you just quick fixing it by you know making the making extra money and then having the money but i want to find a permanent solution to the reason why i'm overwhelmed mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because i don't want to consistently feel overwhelmed that's not you know what i'm saying you get a little bit of relief but then now you're overwhelmed again so mm-hmm. That's kind of been, like, my truth for the last couple of months, honestly. It's just, like, I need a permanent solution versus a quick fix. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you this. You said something. You kind of, like, glazed over it. You said, you know, you need to make that transition. Mm-hmm. So what's stopping you from making that transition? Like, finding... I feel like, for me, it's finding that solution. So it's, like, like Dr. Scott had, when she was telling her story, she was just saying how, like, you know, she felt like she wasn't going to... You know, you wouldn't have left. Like, you wouldn't have left. Sometimes I feel like I don't want to get to that place. Um, and I feel like that's kind of where I, my, my struggle is right now. Like, I really don't have the answer for you, Sarah, because that's, like, literally, like, my struggle is, like, where's the trend? Like, what is the transition? I, I feel it. Like, every day I feel it. Every day is, like, a transition is needed. I need to, you know, make some adjustments. I need to find that permanent change and solution rather than these quick, you know, quick fixes. Um so, yeah, I'm going to have to figure it out. I think being patient with yourself, too, because I think um, in this age that we're in, everything is like microwave. Like, let's hurry up and make this happen. But it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. And and really, like, looking at and, and, and just asking yourself why and, and aligning yourself with, with your purpose and just being patient with it, I think it's a, a huge step in the right. direction of putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think, yeah. Being patient, giving yourself grace, but then also, like, not wasting time either. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. don't, because I feel like sometimes we can be so comfortable that we just, like, mm-hmm. we waste time. Kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, well, supervision coming again. Like, let me let me BS them real quick about why, why I didn't do what I didn't do. Mm-hmm. But it's like you didn't do it because you really don't have a heart for it anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I recognizing that truth, too. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes when things expire, they just expire. Yeah. And right. you got to take that leap sometimes. Mm-hmm. And because and, and, you, are you really... when? I had to look at it like this when I left my job. Was I really doing a service to these people, a good mm-hmm. service to these people? Or was I just finagling my way mm-hmm. through, you know, the job? Like, mm-hmm. I knew when I had court, I had to make sure my court sheet was done. So, I made to, I made to make sure I visit them. Like, it's just, like, little things that we do when our heart's not in it no more. But, like, right. are we really servicing the people that we're there to service? Mm-hmm. And just remembering that part. Right. And then having the faith that once you, once you make that decision, it, it, it like, the things will work out, especially since I'm so, like, type A, like, planner, let me make sure things are in order. Since I'm, you know, such a stickler about stuff like that, it's a little bit harder for me to, like, differentiate and and make that that transition when I don't see, like, when I don't see the other side. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I but that's fake, though. Faith over fear. 
But um, but faith is the opposite of sight. Right. So you you can't see it, so you're scared. Right. But your faith that's where your faith steps in. Right. But yeah, sure. you'll be all right. I mean, you'll figure it out. Yes. So that's my truth. Got through that segment. Woo. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know, I don't really, really like it. Truth is, but made it through. All right. So this is our last segment. Um, and the Dr. Scott, just keep in mind your feel good song of the what song makes you feel good. Just think about it. Okay. Now you don't have to say it right now. Just okay. think about okay. it. This is our last segment. We're gonna do two minute sessions. You did have a question, but I feel like we already kind of answered it in the other segment. Um. Okay. Well, you got you got something else. I mean, I was thinking like, cause I the question I get like a lot when I see my clients, like for the first session, is like, how many sessions before I see an improvement? Mm-hmm. And it's always kind of like a difficult question to answer because like I don't know until we get to the root of this. Like I don't know what the issue really right. is. It's our first time meeting. So what would you? How would you answer that, Doctor Scott? Um, how many sessions before I see an improvement? I think it's that's an individual thing because when I see clients most of the time a lot of them come in with their EAP employee assistant program and it's like three sessions we're not going to get anything the first session we're, we're trying to bond probably even the second session and then we're working on a treatment plan by that time it, it really depends on like what your struggle is if it's depression anxiety these are these are things that just didn't happen last night it's been riding with you through this whole journey but now it's making so much noise that now you got to do something about it so uh, that varies. I would say like most treatment plans go 90 days. So then I would reevaluate. So I would say at least 90 days um, meeting every week. I try to meet my clients every week, but then sometimes I have to do it biweekly. So I may stretch it out a little bit longer. And then just making sure that you put some things in place that's evidence-based so you can track it, right? But when you talk about anxiety and depression, that's kind of harder to track than if somebody broke their arm and then they're going back and getting their <laughs> right. x-ray. You can see how it's healing. Right. Yeah, eight weeks and you'll yeah, be healed. Right, right, right. It's, it's, it's different because you can heal in one spot, right? And through the healing of that, you've just been triggered in another spot mm-hmm. because it's hitting different parts of your life and it has like a domino effect. So I always say let's just go with the 90-day treatment plan and then we see what sprouts out of that. If we're going to stick with that treatment plan or we aced it and then we need to do some other mm-hmm. things. But it really depends. And some people are... Are are um quicker to quicker to get to where they need to be because they were already doing some self work, Thanks. um, doing some things behind the scenes. So Thanks. yeah, I definitely think that it depends. Um, personally, I would never give a person an actual answer to that because, mm-hmm. firstly, I feel like it it just kind of depends on what the goal is and what again what the diagnosis is and then what the goals are after that, and then how consistent a person is like you know bi-weekly every week you miss an appointments you know you can't mm-hmm. you telling me you missed an appointment and now if you if you do every other week or bi-weekly you don't miss a month or you don't miss you know two weeks it's it it's just uh you can't really kind of gauge so mm-hmm. i feel like i don't ever really even when people do ask that question i feel like i don't really give them an answer um, because again, now we working on this, this goal and this plan. And then, oh, by the way, such and such Something happened. Happened. Right. Or just the day to day, that, that stuff that apparently, I guess maybe you're supposed to be taking to your life coach is in therapy. <laughs> like sometimes you, you called me the treatment plan and the goals ain't even getting looked at. Cause you just did something yesterday and you going in about it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like people need them rent sessions and they need to. But, and then now, you know, we didn't work on what we was working on because now you just had something happen in your life and we're not, you know, now we got to kind of get back on track. So I don't ever think it's a real like time period, I guess, depending on, you know, generally, I guess, uh, certain treatment plans or modalities are like normally like short term and stuff like that. But I don't think it's a, a time plan, a uh, time at all. What yeah. you think? I never give a time. Mm-hmm. I always put like, ever since I was even interning with you, like 90 days, like yeah, let's cool. reevaluate this in 90 days. But mm-hmm. I don't tell them that. Like, yeah, I'm like, right. we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'll update you. Mm-hmm. And in our system, you can check, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's like going to the gym, right? Like when you, you can go to the gym every day and people are like, well, dang, you go to the gym every day. You ain't lose not one. <laughs> like, not one. Like, you go to gym every day for two hours and you ain't lose one pound. And then somebody say, Well, why don't you tell me what you're doing at the gym for those two hours? Well, when I go in the gym, I see all my friends. I talk to them for about like a good 30, 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then I go to the locker. I see more friends. I talk to them for like another 40 minutes. And then I go on, on my way to the, the, the equipment. I see the smoothie bar. I said, Let me just sit there for another 15 minutes. 
and then I'm on a treadmill for 10 minutes, right? <laughs> like, right. when you really look at, like, how mm-hmm. you're spending your time, it's like, oh, yeah, you're at the gym two hours a day, every day, but what are you really doing? And that's the same thing with our mental health. Like, people are good to say, well, I'm doing self-care, and I'm doing all these things, but when you really challenge them, mm-hmm. like, are you doing the things that you need to do for you? Not what Sarah's doing, not what Donna's doing. Are you doing the things for you? To actually get you in the direction that you need to get into. And that's so important. Like to itemize it. Like itemize what I'm doing. And then itemize the bigger picture of where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. Fix. Yes. Fix for sure. And then then even to compound on top of that. When you at the gym. You might not be losing the weight, but maybe you build the muscle. Yeah. So like it's like oh, okay, maybe I ain't maybe I ain't get to this, but you, you know maybe I built all this other stuff even though I ain't losing. You know it's yeah. all it's a whole different you know it, it's just different. Yeah, it, is, it just depends. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. All right, so Dr. Scott, what is your feel good song? What is the song you listen to that just puts you in a good mood? Oh man. I'm not going to say that happy song because every time I hear it, it makes me like cringe. But then I start dancing. But one of the songs <laughs> that I like from just way back, even when I was a, when I first when I was first going to college, was um, "Ain't No Stopping Me Now." Right? And okay. When you when you when you hear the lyrics of the song, because no matter what um, field I was in and what I was pursuing, it was always obstacles. Mm-hmm. And whenever that song came on, it gave me hope because it was pretty much saying, "I ain't going to let nothing hold me back." Mm-hmm. Are you and, searching it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know that Philly classic? Yes. Maybe I do. Ain't no stopping his nail. And it's sing like, it. I'm going to never it. be held McFadden down. McFadden and Whitehead? Yes. Sing it. I'm not going to sing it. But you, said, not, how like you don't it. know I it, though? I can't sing it. How you, how you don't know it? I don't know it. Listen. Oh, my you, God. But don't your dad be playing the oldies? <laughs> I think that's, my dad be playing, like, old real oldies. This is a real oldie. This was actually my graduation song, though, from high school. Love it. Like, love it. It's, it's pretty I much I can't believe Donna. Jesus. Donna, you need, you know what? I used to do give Zion lessons, like, in the car ride. So every time you get in my car, I'm just going to play the classics for you. Mm-hmm. Because I this is something you need to know. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a powerful song when you look at the lyrics. So you I, never heard this song? <laughs> never heard this song. <laughs> Okay, no. This was literally our graduation yeah. song. Why were we? Why was this our graduation song? What's in the Eagles? Didn't the Eagles play that one time? They play probably play Meek Mill. No, no, no. This is the